What's going on, Rap Squad? It's DJ Scanless. We come back with more hip hop news. Did Kamala Harris just say Tupac is the best rapper alive? We're going to break this down. Let's get it. So we're on yahoo.com slash entertainment. We got this article here that reads vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris names Tupac as the best rapper alive. Yeah, you read that right. You heard that right. Tupac still alive? Is he in Cuba? Mexico? Who knows? During the NWACP virtual convention Friday, the vice presidential nominee was asked who she believed the best rapper alive was. And she replied by saying the one and only Tupac Machiavelli design. The CNN commentator Angela Rye, who moderated the event, quickly corrected the California senator, reminding her that Tupac had been dead for over two decades. She said, he's not alive. You said, he lives on, Rye responded. Kamala said, I keep doing that with a laugh. Listen, the West Coast girls think Tupac lives on. I'm with you, Rye added. So Tupac, keep going. And here's a brief clip right here. And then, uh, best rapper alive. Tupac. You say he lives on. Not a lot. I know. I keep doing that. (laughs) You said, listen, West Coast girls think Tupac lives on. I'm with you. I'm with you. So Tupac, keep going. I keep doing that. Harris then took a moment to think about the best rapper alive question. Well, ultimately couldn't come up with another answer. She did, however, throw some shade at some hip hop artists who she believes needs to stay in their lane. Harris didn't mention any names. However, the latter part of her statement has led to some believe that she was referring to Kanye West, who announced his presidential bid back in July. Kamala said, there's so many. There's some I would not even mention right now because they need to stay in their lane. Keep going. Keep moving. Now, let's see what Twitter had to say about this. JM says she clearly does not listen to hip hop. Ronnie B831 says, in other words, she doesn't know shit about rap. Economics explains everything. Ask her her favorite ice cream flavor next. These are important issues. This isn't the first time Kamala Harris has caught flack over Tupac comments. During a 2019 appearance on The Breakfast Club, Harris told the host that she smoked that fine Mary Jane during her college years. Now, mind you, she graduated from Howard University in 1986 and UC Hastings College of Law in 1989. She was then asked what kind of music she would listen to when getting hot. Her answer? Definitely Snoop Dogg. Uh Uh-huh. Tupac for sure. Now, like I said, Tupac was recording songs on a tape recorder in Baltimore going by the name of MC New York. And who knows what Snoop Dogg was doing in 1986. But 1989, Tupac was starting to record music for his debut album, Tupac is Now. But his debut song with Digital Underground, same song, wasn't even out yet. We got the murder horner. He says, you told people you listened to Snoop Dogg and Tupac while smoking Mary Jane back in college. Snoop Dogg and Tupac didn't even release any music until years after you graduated. But you liked to pander. Just like it was a debate, you also say I was campaigning. Social media users immediately pointed out that both Snoop and Tupac made their debuts well after Harris has left college. Members of her campaign said that the Harris answer involving Tupac and Snoop was in response to the question by DJ Envy who asked, what does Kamala Harris listen to? So what do you guys think? Do you think Tupac is still the best rapper alive? I know, I know, there's all these conspiracies still involving Tupac that he faked his death. Why did he switch his name to Machiavelli before his death? Why did he rap about death so much? Why did he have more music released after his so-called passing in September 13, 1996? Then he did a lot. More double albums released after his so-called passing than when alive. Still have music being leaked out every year, every December 25th, every June 16th. Every September 6th, every September 13th, there's always a new Tupac song coming right around the corner. 
Just this year, we had a clips of Death Around the Corner, the original version, which has totally different lyrics, totally different verses, that was rejected by his music label. A clip of that leaked. We had another song called It Ain't Easy, which is a totally different track than what appeared on the Me Against World album. Totally different beat, totally different lyrics and bars by Tupac. We had a solo version of Shit Don't Stop from the Thug Life album with three verses by Tupac, while the retail version on the album only has one verse. Another song called Don't Leave, which was a scrap from Tupac's 1995 album, Me Against the World, with YMV. A couple years ago, we got a song called The Hellraiser, which was a totally different track than The Hellraiser on Are You Still Down. Different beat, different verses. Also, another song called Still Don't Give a Fuck, which was a follow-up to Tupac's song on his debut album, Tupac Was Now, I Don't Give a Fuck. So all the time, Tupac is coming out with new music, even though his record label is not putting those songs on the album. Every year, you can find it on the internet, on the forums, on Facebook, on YouTube, a new Tupac Leaks. So, yeah. In that regard, with his music, he's still alive. Changes still on the billboard. Getting on the iTunes 100. Top hip-hop songs. Passing 6ix9ine, who just released a track, you know, back in June. And then Tupac's greatest hits overthrowing all these albums that were just released on the iTunes charts in North America being a top seven album and changes being in the top four and the songs being played in all these riots and protesting. Then you have Tupac being mentioned all the time on Vlad TV, on the breakfast club, on the fat Joe show on Instagram name dropped in mostly any interview you could think of. Even all the trash rainbow ass mumble rappers talk about him because they know they aren't on that level. Never will be. Yeah. Tupac's music, his name, his message is still live more than ever. So I can definitely see why someone like Kamala Harris could get confused and still think Tupac is still alive. Because to me, his music is still definitely very much alive, whether he's here or not. So what do you guys think? Is Tupac still alive? Is he not? Is he in Mexico? Is he in Cuba? You know, we have this new documentary coming out very soon by the Hughes brothers. We have a potential movie about Tupac coming about his great escape to New Mexico or Mexico. But is he really alive? Or do you feel like Kamala Harris is just saying this to get some votes? Now, I'll be real. This is not what I look for, you know, in the political debates or anything like that. But, you know, does gain some bonus points, you know, just saying. I might not vote for you if you like 6ix9ine or Travis Scott or, you know, Cardi B. <laughs> just saying. All right, guys. So if you don't know who King Crooked is, Crooked Eye is, like I said, he was part of Slaughterhouse with Joe Buttons, Joel Ortiz, Royce 5'9". But he also was on the Death Row Records record label back in the 90s and early 2000s. Now, he didn't come on until after Tupac was already passed away, but he actually got a chance to meet Tupac Shakur when Tupac was recording with Snoop Dogg in the studio. And Crooked Eye was about 18, 19 years old, I believe, at that time. Anyways, Crooked Eye tweeted on September 25th, 2020. He said, sometimes I wonder what Tupac's discography would be if him himself chose all the music released to the public. His leftovers and scrap songs are being judged right along with everything else. Now, I really found this really fascinating, and I know it's just a tweet, but I really wanted to make a video on it because I think it's a broad topic that people often, you know, debate back and forth about. A lot of people will say that, you know, Tupac sucks because this song sucks or this album sucks, or they say Pac's life was falling off and didn't get the record sales that the other albums was getting. But can you really judge that? Because if you're familiar with Tupac, but you don't really know everything that goes on with his music after the Machiavelli album 
That was like the real last album that Tupac oversaw. The Machiavelli album came out only two months after Tupac's passing. However, the key thing here is the tracklist was the last approved tracklist by Tupac. So those songs were actually slated for that album. However, Tupac was actually going to record more music for that album because that album was not even due out until like March of 97, as well as Tupac was going to revisit the One Nation album, which you can find many tracks of that online as well. So songs like Life of an Outlaw, Just Like Daddy, could have actually been scrapped by the time March 97 came around because Tupac recorded three to five songs a day. So you can imagine if Tupac was going to record more music, some songs would have actually had to have been pushed off. And this is the case for many other Tupac songs and concepts that he actually came up with on Death Row Records. There's so many track lists you can find under Death Row Records alone that Tupac had. He had like Euthanasia album, Supreme Euthanasia album, which morphed into All Eyes on Me, but it had totally different track lists. He had an album called Owl Immortal. He had a track list for an album called When I Get Free. Another album called 100% Black Gold would hit him up on it. Another album called Thug Life Volume 2 Still I Rise, which was going to be Tupac the Outlaws. Big Psych and Marine Shakur. Also had the albums called Ghetto Stars. Now the reason I bring this up because so many people are fast to write these songs off and call it studio garbage, call it scraps. And yeah, in a way you can think that many of these songs are scraps based on the way you hear it, the production that you hear it. And that's because a lot of versions that we have online were actually incomplete versions. Doesn't mean the songs were left incomplete or Tupac didn't finish the song. And there's only a couple songs that Tupac didn't finish like Catch of Feelings and Pox Life. But vocally, every song is complete. The only thing that is not complete is the production. And that's because we may have an incomplete version. When people were making songs, back in the day when they would make songs, there's actually like different save points that they kind of had. That's the best way for me to describe it. So you will have a version where maybe Tupac didn't put in his second layer or he didn't put in his hook yet. Or maybe the beat's incomplete or the vocals are not mixed properly. Sometimes this is what happens and this is how we get a version of a song like Soon As I Get Home on Poxlight, which was actually a incomplete version. So a lot of songs that, you know, have been leaking with Tupac since like 97, some of them are not the complete finalized versions that the engineers actually did. And more often than not, the engineers most likely didn't get all the time in the world to work on the songs as they did for All Eyes on Me and the Machiavelli app. So yeah, in that way, some songs are scraps, I guess you could say, or leftovers or incomplete. But I feel like many songs like get overlooked and they get labeled as studio garbage and the scraps. And I don't really think they are because Tupac is a very rare case. Tupac was at the stage where controversy and rap music was actually taken off. You had NWA dropping that Fuck the Police song that was out there. All that controversy. You had Tupac's soldier story being blown up in the news because someone shot a state trooper while listening to that record. So you had a lot of songs that Tupac was recording that he actually meant for his album and the record label said no this is too harsh this is too violent we can't have this out there you had dan quayle coming out tupac you had dolores tucker you even have bob dole mentioning tupac a lot of these politicians did not like this type of content that tupac was putting in his record so the record labels had to buckle down and say we can't put this out there so tupac's actually follow-up album to tupac Less now was rejected by time warner by the record label and tupac had a totally different track list than what you see on a Strictly album in 93. You find many albums that he was working on in 92, Point the Finger, another one called Representing, and the version that we all know, Troublesome 21. And a lot of these had unreleased songs that the record label actually rejected. And some songs actually Tupac got the chance to be able to move to the Strictly album. But yeah, songs like Mr. Troublesome, Still Don't Give a Fuck, 16 on Death Row, Let Them Things Go, 
Don't Call Me Bitch, Ghetto Gospel, What Goes On, Brothers in the Pen, The Hellraiser, a totally different version than what you hear on the Are You Still Down album. This is a totally different song. Another song called Holler If You Hear Me, which is a totally different beat and totally different lyrics than what you hear on the Strictly album. All these songs were rejected because they had cop references in it. So I wouldn't consider those scraps or leftovers. Those were rejected. The same thing happened with Thug Life. The Thug Life album was rejected three or four times. So you have songs like Face Shootouts, another song called Thug Life, I'm Getting Money, another song called Mr. Middlefinger, another called Animosity, House of Pain. All these songs were rejected at some point in time for the Thug Life album. It just wasn't Tupac saying this song's not good enough. Now on Death Row, Tupac had less restrictions with the record label because Suge would allow him to put out whatever he wanted. And that's what Tupac loved. He loved that freedom. But he recorded so much at Death Row because he didn't have to worry about having to pay for studio time. He didn't have to worry about sharing the studio with anybody. When he wanted to beat, he got the beat. When he wanted to lay down a track, he got to be able to lay down a track whenever he wanted. And this made a lot of Death Row inmates, a lot of Death Row musicians jealous, you know. But when Tupac was recording, you know, songs, he just recorded so much. Three, four, five songs a day. So by the time he made a track list called Thug Like Volume 2, he ended up recording so much more music day in and day out that he would have to move songs off that album just so he could fit the new songs. And this is why so many concepts never even came out. You know, and I don't really think it's like studio garbage because many of these concepts are just as good as All Eyes of Me and Machiavelli. Like I said this in many videos, Tupac actually has an album called 100% Black Gold. And this was an album Hit Em Up was actually made for. So you had Hit Em Up, you had Troublesome 96, you had Words to My Firstborn, Never Had a Friend Like Me, When Thugs Cry, Mama's Just a Little Girl, Who Do You Believe In, Tongue Kissing, Thugging Me, and a couple other tracks. And that album just sounds dope. If you know the original versions, you will know like that album is mostly flawless and you can stack that up to an album such as Machiavelli. And this is the same case when you look at the unreleased Death Row album that Tupac was working on in 95 called Thug Like Volume 2. Tupac had tracks like Play Your Cards Right, Still Ballin', Fade Me, Teardrops Closed Caskets, Letter to the President, Secrets of War, the Hit Em Up original version, which is a totally different track, Grab the Mic, which is unreleased, Where You Been, another unreleased song. And this album would have been pretty dope too. But anyways guys, I just wanted to talk about this because I know many people judge Tupac based on his actual albums that came out after his passing, and like I said, I just want to say that I don't feel like all these songs were scrap songs. Many songs were rejected by the label and Tupac recorded so much music that he didn't even have enough room to fit all these songs on each album. So he just came up with concept after concept. So it wasn't like these songs were just not good enough or Tupac did not intend to release it. I believe if he stayed alive, he would have actually made refined versions or he would re-record a lot of these records over different beats or over the same beat, which happened many times before. But for people judging Tupac based on the songs that came out after his passing, okay, let's take out Machiavelli, All Eyes of Me, out of the equation, right? You can't really judge Tupac based on maybe like an album like Until Then Time or Lord of the Game because the difference is Tupac did not get the chance to actually select those track lists. He did not lump those songs together and he didn't say, hey, I want Ashanti on my album. I want T.I. on my album. I want Eminem on my album. Even though he could have very well worked with these artists if he stayed alive, it's a possibility, he did not decide the theme of the album, the concept. And he definitely did not decide the remix beats that they put on his records, as well as removing his vocals and hooks and intros and outros that he made for several songs, like Why You Turn On Me, Friends, Pox Life, 
Fair Exchange. All these songs have singing choruses by Tubac himself. And these were completely removed for other artists. And that's fucked up. That's a shame. They should not have been doing that. Now, if I'm working on a new Tubac album, I'm going to use all the vocals I possibly can put on the track. I'm not going to remove Tubac for anybody. Because it's a Tubac album. It's not a now 98 album, now 2000 album, whatever the fuck. What the fuck ever. So you can't really compare Tubac's body of work after the Machiavelli album and compare him to Eminem or Jay-Z. Because really what you'll be comparing is a six-year rap career to an artist that has 30 years. That could oversee his albums and production and all the themes in his music for 30 years. So judging Pac's life, judging Lord of the Game, Until That Time, Better Days, it's not really fair because Tupac did not oversee that. And yeah, he moved on from these songs. So yeah, technically they are leftovers, even though they're good enough for him to have released at any point in his career. And whatever circumstances that arose, you know, being rejected, they're still scrapped in a way. So these versions would never came out unless Tubac would have dropped the Lost Tapes album like Nas did. But like I said, when people judge, they're judging the remix versions on the album. They're not really judging the original versions you can find online. And I think most casual fans don't even know about the original versions half the time. Because when I made this video saying the worst Tubac songs of all time and I had all remix songs in there, they flamed me saying there's no bad Tubac song. But I'm like, dude, this song sucks compared to the way Tubac made it. So it's not really fair to judge Tubac on remixes and beats that he never even got the chance to listen to. Anyways guys, let me know your thoughts on this. Let me know what's your favorite Tubac album after his passing, your favorite song after his passing. Do you feel like these albums should be judged with the rest of his catalog? I don't think so. Yeah, I think you can only judge his albums up to Machiavelli fairly. But I will say his music coming out just shows his crazy work ethic. I feel like all these songs should come out because in a way, who are we or who is the record label to judge which type of song that Tupac would have wanted out? You just can't say, oh, we're just going to put out the good songs like Changes and not put out the bad songs like Watch Your Mouth or War Games. That's not really fair. And then you're just showing one side of Tupac. You're only showing the good side where Tupac, the reason why so many people love him and he's so revered is, yeah, he was a walking contradiction, kind of, you know. But he also spoke about things from many different sides. He spoke about many different things. So he just wouldn't have a whole album where he's hunky-dory and praising everything and just making love fuck songs all over the album. He would have that gangster shit, that thug shit, love fuck songs, songs for the bitches, you know. And then still have the inspirational side that can uplift you and give you an understanding on some type of story or concept that he wanted you to grasp. So for me, I feel like they should release the whole catalog regardless even if it was just a fun song that Tupac's doing find an album it can fit on and put it out that's fair to Tupac's body of work and if one song can help one person out there change your life or help them in their life that's very much worth releasing a whole album and his whole catalog anyway shout out to Crooked Eye be sure to follow him on Twitter check out his albums check out his Death Row stuff the dude is a hardcore Pac fan probably a bigger fan than me he actually went out Funk Flex for talking shit on Pac back in 2010. He talks about a lot of the underrated Tupac songs like Staring Through My Rear View on Twitter. One of his favorite songs, Soldier Story. He talks about Represent 93 being another underrated track. And he actually got the chance to remix the Tupac track for Tupac's 2001 album, Until the End of Time. The track was called Happy Home. And I believe he's actually on the chorus for Why You Turn On Me as well. 
You can also find him on the New Mix album on two of America's most wanted remix, Crooked Eye and Tupac. So the dude's always been representing Tupac to the fullest. So be sure to check him out everywhere. Anyways, guys, let me know your thoughts. Be sure to check out my podcast, my audio versions on anchor.fm under Tupac Music Podcast or Scandalous Talk. You can also find me on Spotify and iTunes under the same names. Yo, so we got this article here on Hip Hop DX. The title reads Outcast Legend Big Boy, executive producing empire like TV series featuring DMX, Rakim, Saw, and Peba, and more. Big Boy Valcast has landed a gig as the co-executive producer of a new television series titled Government Records. The show, which is currently in development, is described as a hybrid between Fox's Empire and Epic's Get Shorty. Big Boy went on to say, I've teamed up with Chris Bellasio at 850 Entertainment on a project called Government Records. It's going to be big. I can't wait to get things moving. And basically what this says is that the overall theme of the whole TV series is going to be like an epic 90s style crime TV series. Much like Power, what you see on Stars by 50 Cent. And it's going to be sent around two ATF agents. And the whole thing that they're going to do is try to take down this big crime ring by 90s hip hop artists. Which may be DMX or Rakim, we'll see. This story, although it fits in genres of other successful shows, is unique in the way that it brings the worlds of law enforcement, crime, and the music industry together. With the task force creating a music studio building this undercover operation just to bring one guy down. The show's creator, Teron R. Parsons, noted, It's essentially a heist movie, except the federal agents are the ones pulling the job. I don't think we've really seen this from any other perspective before on TV. And Blasio added, I've been looking for a project that would both highlight the city of Atlanta and bring reoccurring work to the area. When the script first came to me, it was actually being developed as a feature film. But the characters and the material were so rich that I immediately decided that it needed to be a series to fully cover the scope of the story. And this show is going to feature hip-hop legends DMX, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, Grandmaster Flash, and Dougie Fresh, among others. Seeing the story resonate with so many of the legendary hip-hop artists of all time really affirmed that we have something special here. Every project you kind of secretly hope they're catching lightning in the bottle, but this show seems to be actually doing it. So what do you guys think about this? Like for me, I was really into the whole Empire TV show on Fox when it first came out. However, for me, they want kind of like the fruity way and had all this R&B singing, auto-tune type shit in it, and I just didn't really dig that shit. But what I really loved is seeing how 50 Cent did the TV show Power, which kind of incorporated like 90s style crime stories like New Jack City, juice all into one and made it a really compelling drama with a gangster type vibe to it so i really hope this brings that to the table because dmx is always involved in like crime dramas whether he's a bad guy or a police officer we've seen this many times with his movies with steven seagal so it's great to see dmx actually in more tv type roles and movie roles now also seeing rakim and big daddy kane the only thing i really hope is that big daddy kane and rakim actually pull off the acting chops here so to speak because we haven't really seen them in much other TV shows or movies. We've seen DMX, though. We know what he brings to the table. But just seeing all these great legendary artists getting their shine on and something like this is so amazing. So, guys, let me know what you guys feel about this. You know, going forward on my Scandalous Talk channel, since this is not monetized yet, I'm trying to get to the hours. I probably will do less videos of me talking and just throwing up some Instagram clips and shit like that when news breaks. So, hopefully, you guys, you know, Keep checking me out, and once we get monetized and keep growing on here, then I'll start doing breakdowns like this all the time. So let me know how you feel about this news. Do you think it'd be great that we see Rock Kim and DMX and a TV show? Let me know. All right, guys, you know what time it is. It's DJ Scanless, your favorite DJ's favorite DJ. And I'll catch you all on the flip side. We out. Deuces.